Welcome to the Hired Geek Podcast. I'm Dustin Ramsdell, and every week I'm having conversations with influential hired leaders about the work they're doing, the impact they're making, and how you too can better implement technology to support student success. So we are here in the final episode in our three-part series exploring aspects of a digital-first strategic plan. So as I've said before, there's so many things that could comprise a digital-first strategic plan, but uh, we're just focusing on a few of what we feel are sort of the bigger areas or ones that we uh, just wanted to focus on for this. And who knows, maybe we'll do more episodes on this in the future. But uh, this series done in partnership with Pathify. And so we'll be talking about just kind of digital tools and how they're influencing, uh, you know, for this conversation today, digital community building. Our guest today friend of Hired Geek and of Pathify, been on both podcasts. She's an uh, avid podcaster herself and everything. But uh, Josie, if you want to really quickly introduce yourself again, just kind of your professional background, uh, and then we'll get to our conversation today. Of course. Well, thanks for having me, Dustin. Hi, all. My name is Josie. So I have been doing this work for the last 10 years. I worked on college camp for that. I'm basically exploring the intersections of leadership, and community building with technology, especially um, social media. And I do that as a speaker, consultant. I've got a book that's out there. And I'm just always up to some good trouble, including on podcasts. That's honestly, yeah, anymore. Like I host so much. So I'm just like, please, like have me on other shows. Cause yeah, it's like I just like doing this kind of stuff and talking about it and, you know, connecting these thoughts and sharing it with folks. And yeah, I think just in terms of like, time doing you know doing the work nowadays it's just like one thing i thought of is like it's tough when you like start doing something on like an odd year if it's like oh yeah what was it, it was uh like 2013 and what years like if it's easy if it's like oh and you know 2010 and i could just like easily do the math of like and then the pandemic just sort of throw everything for loop but uh yeah i know you've been immersed doing this you know you're somebody that i've always uh, kind of admired, I think, just bringing, you know, with your doctorate, sort of the academic approach or research, really kind of deeply analyzing and bringing that sort of thoughtful perspective. We'll start very large, kind of 30,000 feet view, like, what are you seeing right now across the country when it comes to institutions grappling with digital transformation, again, kind of in that lens of like community buildings, again, I feel like now it's like, there's no shortage of tools or platforms or, you know, certain things where, you know, I know kind of when you started, that was maybe not so much the case, but, you know, what are you seeing right now in terms of digital transformation around community building? I don't know if I refer to myself with pedigree of scholarship, but um, I did have to earn my chops with, you know, like my dissertation. And I do think it's so important before we get talking about technology as we stay grounded and what is it we're here for? Who are our people? And what do we know that they need, whether if that is staff, faculty, or students? And so my work with community building is always grounded in belonging. We know that that, especially with student affairs, but also faculty, um, that is such a critical component of the work that we're here to do so a student feels they belong. But we also know with data lately of retention of staff and faculty, we have the significant gaps in why we are losing really good people. Um, And so I do think it's important to expand the conversation about how we build community in digital spaces beyond just students. So 
if you're ever feeling like all these tools swirl, 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 like remind yourself, like, well, what is it? We are the outcomes we're really focused on. And that's why I appreciate y'all are situating this in a strategic planning process coupled with digital transformation. Because to answer your question is unfortunately, we many, many institutions are still holding on so tightly to maintaining the status quo, getting back to where we were a few years ago. But they also are pretty incentivized and like, you know, golden retriever energy of, oh, there's this technology tool over here, or we need an app, or we need a TikTok. And they're trying to do both. And we can't do that with the resources that you currently have out. Well, I think too, yeah, I mean, like you're saying, you are getting kind of like, overwhelmed in the sense of like trying to keep track of anything that's kind of like where the hype machine like gets in the way almost is that like you know TikTok could like suck all the air out of the room and i think at this point we've seen that it's had some staying power just in terms of like okay that that is like a space that you know institutions don't necessarily have to be but they should be aware of it and sort of like you know making a very intentional choice of like if they want to show up and if so, then how and those sort of things. And then if it's like, if we're not making a profile, or whatever else, just like kind of knowing like, okay, the trend of like the format of how people present themselves on there. It's like, maybe we can take some cues of kind of like adjusting a little bit of like, you know, shorter form or just more like dynamic, engaging, kind of fun, uh, you know, uh, digital presence, however they're kind of uh, creating that and everything. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would imagine if you're feeling that way, a lot of other folks, you know, institutional leaders are feeling the same way of just trying to kind of grapple with, you know, what, what tools should we use? How should we use them? And uh, not getting too distracted by like the next bright, shiny thing. Um, because yeah, you know, there's just like, well, there is community building or anything else. There's no shortage of ed tech tools or other tools to be using and everything. So I guess the, like, if you had to summarize the feelings that you're getting as you're kind of like, trying to talk about leadership and digital spaces and everything like what would be like the vibe that you're getting right now from those institutional leaders like would it be that overwhelmed would it be confusion or because uh, again i think that that dilemma is certainly one part of it is like how much do we sort of like go back to the status quo versus trying to do something new and different you know a whole kind of blaze a trail you've never been down before like how, how do you kind of what's the feeling that you're getting oh gosh I do think it's based on the institution and those they're serving and whether if they have a um, some leaders who have a digital mindset, but also, um, you know, a student centered mindset. So many times, especially like when I'm working with a social media manager, let's say they're getting um strategy handed down from them from people that don't know what TikTok is and are telling them, no, this is what we have to do. And that's like a very small example versus create us a campus app. And it's just that it's it's not, well, like the why or, you know. So when I also say a student-centered leader, any of these tools, whether if it's TikTok or an app, you have got to include students in the planning process. Like, I want to see them on, you know, the review committee of companies you're looking at to actually implementing it. And that sprinkles out in every single tool out there. Now, if the tool isn't made for students, then 
involve who that user is. Maybe it's something for HR, for staff, um, or if it's something for only online students. Like, do not forget your users in this and and not just like kind of rushing to that finish. Because the other thing that I do see is atrophy. We get tired of implementing a tech tool. So by the end, we're just like, we just be done with it. Because in higher ed, sometimes we allow these projects to go on and on. So honestly, that's where there's such multiple benefits for working like a tool like Pathify, where you have almost like think of it as your core curriculum that you can implement for these busy campus pros that like, does your IT really have time to make their own? I've seen some amazing ones, but is that really the best use of resources based on all your other infrastructure that you're working on within IT? And is it actually what students or your community want? Or is it just what you want? Yeah, I mean, that definitely, I think, is a, a paradigm that we are moving past. Is that It's like, well, we built it and it works well for us. And it's like, well, you kind of had a huge blind spot there. You need to be a little bit more conscious of... Uh, all stakeholders, you know, it's more holistic kind of comprehensive uh, point of view. But yeah, I mean, I, I could absolutely understand. And thankfully, like, you know, if you have the right perspective, you would get away from that sort of like tunnel vision. It's like, well, we should just have this tool or we should have a campus. Like you said, it's almost just like laser focused, almost like, you know, to a fault on just sort of like, like one piece of the solution versus it being like, well, it's, we want it obviously to be something that is relevant and useful and, you know, these sort of things. And like, kind of really building out from there it's like well what would we hope to achieve and you know different things like that and bring people in you know such as students to evaluate uh whatever tool it is so i i could, I could understand that sort of that feeling or that sentiment is like they just kind of like you said they're there's a lot on their plate as an institutional leader certainly you know if they're an it leader at a campus so they're almost like trying to just kind of like get from a to z and like just jump over the rest of the alphabet or something, I guess is like a metaphor I thought of. So it's like, okay, well, let's like try to, you know, think through what's going to be an efficient use of our resources, of our time and all those sort of things. And I guess just from, uh, you know, to kind of build on your answer that you were just saying, like, just kind of get more detail. I feel like the ways that you could imagine institutions building community with a tool like Pathify, because I think there's a lot of things that's going to simplify and kind of get out of your way as a student and everything. So from your perspective, outsider looking in, you know, what are the, what are the, the prospects of, you know, something like this and how it could sort of build community better for, for students in particular to start there? So we are living in the age of attention. And the reason why, for example, as students, attention goes TikTok is because content is made for their enjoyment. The algorithm gives them or me what I want to see. I want to see what I want to get on the Sephora sale or puppies or, you know, like, and that user experience sometimes gets lost in some of the things that we create, whether if it is us using that own, our own tool, like Instagram, that just gets filled with flyers. Nobody believes that. Um, I think the second thing is you getting users to adopt a new tool is not just like getting them to turn on, like download an app. Like you're gonna need to get a hook 
And hopefully we could link this in the show notes. We have some data here from a recent survey from Student Voice. And this is like literally students telling us they want a campus event calendar. That could be a hook to get your students into your app. They want reminders. They want a a central place to schedule. So like as you're out there looking, like, and I know Pathify has lots of those things. So like, how can this fill a need um, that isn't just like the internet, the intranet? What's the inter one that people can't see that really staff and faculty only look at? Like, I'm sorry, students aren't going to your intranet. <laughs> um, anyway, this survey was really interesting, like live chat. And what you'll realize, though, is, oh, gosh, this is where we have a disconnect with our own digital transformation is that we don't have the support on the back end. I could see someday, just like you have a dean of students, you're going to need to have a dean of the student, the digital experience, because to be able to enter, you know, like to man the chat and to think about what that real transform, transformative experience is, isn't just copying it and pasting it over in a digital way. Like, Coachella recently live streamed their entire weekend with YouTube. But again, it wasn't like just this weird camera on the side. Because you all have seen a concert where you're like, I'm not supposed to be here. And I'm just kind of lurking. But there there was integration. There was multiple. And it probably cost a bundle. But people from around the world tuned in to that. I mean, just like probably our graduation ceremonies. And there is a cost for digital, or there might be more upfront cost for digital. But in that case, that's an example of scaling this beyond, you know, you can only sell so many tickets for concerts around my mind. (laughs) Hey guys, it's Zach here, founder of Enrollify with some huge, huge news. So I am ecstatic to announce that Element 451, the AI-powered all-in-one CRM platform for higher education, has acquired Enrollify. Back in 2019, I approached Tony Frega, the CEO of DD Agency, with an idea. Tony's a good friend of mine, and so I said, dude, let's build a next-generation media hub for higher ed marketers and admissions professionals. As a lover of media, I was just so impressed by how the attention landscape was changing and how brands like The Skim and The Hustle and Morning Brew began to eat up market share from more traditional publications. And I thought there was an opportunity to build something similar, uh, you know, obviously a lot smaller, but similar in the niche, but oh so important arena of higher education marketing. Tony and the leadership at DD were gracious enough to allow me the time and the space to ideate on this half-baked idea and then launch Enrollify's first ever content asset, which was, you guessed it, the Enrollify podcast. Since then, Enrollify has grown into one of the most trusted resources for candid higher education marketing content in the industry, and we've welcomed industry giants like Terry Flannery, Jamie Hunt, Allison Tercio, Eddie Francis, Dave Kibbold, and Jeremy Tears, just to name a few, into our network of creators. As we started thinking about the next chapter of Enrollify's life, it became clear that it was time for Enrollify to scale. I'm pretty good at building things, but scaling things is a skill I'm still working on. 
When thinking about who could take Enrollify to the next level, I felt as if artists, Mallory, and the leadership at Element 451 were uniquely qualified to inherit the brand. Element has actually been a part of Enrollify's story since the very beginning. They were our second podcast sponsor ever. They have invested in almost every experiment that we've ever run. They ship product faster than any other ed tech company I've ever met. And perhaps most importantly, artists in the leadership team invest seriously in thought leadership and education. Building Enrollify has been the most rewarding experience of my professional career to date, and I couldn't be happier to collaborate with the Element team as we seek to take Enrollify to the next level. And don't worry, I'm not going anywhere just yet. You are not through with my lovely voice just yet. Um, But if you found any value in Enrollify over your years of tuning into our content or watching our videos, it would mean a lot if you could share a kind word or two about how Enrollify has helped inspire you or helped teach you something new about marketing on social media. It would really, really, really mean a lot to to the whole Enrollify and Element team, but to me personally as well. So if you've gotten any value of any of the content that we've ever produced, share a quick story or or a quick thought about us on social. That would be wonderful. Well, thanks so much for being here, guys, and get ready. We've got so much in store that I can't wait to share with you all soon. But for now, back to the podcast. It's an interesting kind of uh, you know similarity. I think literally like campuses can do that for their you know speakers or events and stuff like that, that too. Because I feel like not many have even started with the like, oh okay, we have like a camera or whatever that's maybe just like zooming in or whatever kind of like more static shots or whatever. So it's like you know you'd hope that they'd be able to get to a point of like it's like a Coachella concert when like you know something like that's happening or a concert on campus feels like you know that level of production. But uh, yeah, and it's even the idea of like institutions almost have the privilege of the luxury of like you know doing things that like you know may be expensive and don't make sense in the sense of like we're doing this just because like we want to devote all of our research like it doesn't behoove us to be like squirreling away like but he's like you've got your endowment you've got all that like that's sort of the rainy day fun and everything so it's like put all of your sort of willpower and your effort and your resources you know as much as you can into like you said building a very like sort of robust and intentional uh, digital infrastructure and everything as, as you're sort of building a digital first strategic plan it's like that would probably include staff and people overseeing it and managing it and planning and all that and um you know thinking about like you know opportunities yeah it's like well we have this amazing event going on how can we try to you know get as many people connected to that as possible because yeah there's only so many seats in the auditorium or you know uh it's available you know, just happening live at a particular time of day and not everybody's available for that. It's like they could watch it on demand afterwards because we recorded it high quality and it's there and lives in a place where everybody's kind of coming together anyway. And then maybe people can chat about it in a group or something like because all the things that you're sort of saying, I'm like, yeah, like you'd want all of that to where it be where it can be like one central place where people can find out what's going on in their life and also connect with people and everything. It doesn't feel like things are disjointed or you know they go there and it feels sort of flat or it's not like there's none of those hooks or engagements or anything like it's it's the things that I want the things that I need to know the things that you know are useful to me presented in a way that is customized it's like well I want this over here I want that over there and those sort of things so it's, I think it's yeah that relevance is huge and like with what you're saying too, in my mind, it's like, yeah, like obviously you can't be the only person at the party. That's not a party. Like you have to get enough people at the party for then there to even be the ability to build community around anything. Like it could even be where it's like, this is the perfect digital experience. It has all the things that anybody would possibly ever need. It's like, 
you actually forgot to like tell anybody about it. Like you, you forgot to promote the party, you know, like that adoption piece, like you really need people to, you know, be brought in. I think we've seen that uh, partners that we work with, like that's sort of like, it can unfortunately be overlooked at a point. Like you put a, almost too much effort in building it mm. that you forget to sort of do the diligence to sort of build up excitement when, you know, and certainly like with what you're saying, maybe have students be like, wow, this looks great. I'm going to tell all my friends about it or whatever. Like you, you can sort of build that kind of excitement as well, as much as you might do a sort of glossy campus-wide marketing campaign to get people to not just download the app, which that can be like a false sense of success. It's like, oh my gosh, like how many people, you know, download? It's like nobody, have, nobody ever like logged in or whatever. So um, I think those are all really important pieces. And I guess like any follow-up thoughts on that idea of like, because I think it's it's the sort of bifurcated strategy because you have to build something relevant, engaging, but you also need to sort of like promote it and that sort of balance, I guess, and sort of your perspectives on how leaders can try to balance those two priorities. It'd be interesting to see some influencer marketing maybe being done as you're really trying to target specific groups or based on your data, you might realize that, you know, there's a certain demographic or student type that isn't, we just haven't gotten them in this app yet. Because again, that's one of those things where I think like, you know, influencers, maybe where it's just like, you know, it's sort of shallow and all that, like people just see like, again, sort of overproduced commercials for things that are presented to be not that way but even just the idea of like influencer marketing in that sense of like kind of what i was getting at, like just like peer-to-peer yeah like kind of Perfect. like let's kind of wash away that sort of notion but it, that's sort of the spirit of it is that like peers are going to be able to speak each other's language better than anyone else and mm. that can honestly apply to staff or faculty too like they know the problems that they're facing right. and you know because we all that's so we also know why like middle schoolers look at them and what apps they're using that's what's coming next. And how do they find out? It's not from the app store. It's from each other. And it spreads like, and, and that, while we aren't working with middle schoolers, like we want that word of mouth among our students about this app, that it, it literally could be offline influencer marketing that like you're incentivizing or encouraging like those groups to get it talking because it can go a really long way. Mm-hmm. But I think that's, I don't want to overlook, I think it's really good advice though, is that in the sense of like integrating, I'm going to take it sort of two sides of the coin with that word. Cause I think that's, it's one of our favorite oh. words. Here, <laughs> Great. Um, I but, used it. Uh, yeah. It's like that idea of like, if you look and be like, wow, commuter students, off-campus students or whatever, like aren't downloading it. If you can like really kind of, you know, at, this is like one of those things where it's like, okay, we've launched it. People are using it. Great. But it's like you have to keep that sort of energy going. And it may be that you really overlooked where it's like, OK, like those commuter students probably don't care as much about like the dining hall menu or something. It's like, can we bulk up in areas and integrate systems to present data that's going to make that when they log into their dashboard, it's really going to hook them. Right. They're really going to get that sort of uh, kind of relevant information to them and that like it could help you kind of look at that side of it, like so the technical integrations and just be like, wow, commuter students really aren't downloading it. How could we do like a peer-to-peer sort of marketing you know, for that audience in particular? So I think that's a really good bit of advice in the sense of that, like you're not just totally overlooking a certain part of your digital community just because like they're the ones that are on your physical community space and campus. The going to digital communities, I'm getting more excited about micro, small communities. So, for example, in the commuter group, there could be a hub 
just for commuters who can share like this is where the cheapest place to get gas is or like what podcasts are y'all listening to or oh take this faculty member because he puts all his lectures on audio and I could listen on the way in like those are so that's the other hook is not just the thing like the events calendar that fills the need but that's the sustainable part is what actually keeps you coming back and I think some micro commute versus like, oh, it's the class of 20, whatever. Um, we find those are really popular at the beginning and then they fizzle out. And that's another topic, though. Part of the reason why is there wasn't a plan for it and there wasn't moderators to think strategically, just like you would with curriculum or any other kind of training that you would actually have some earmarks throughout the year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and moderators too. I think like people who can be maybe like a year above or, you know, near peer uh, folks to sort of uh, model the way and everything is another good bit of advice in terms of digital community building and wherever that might be taking place. But yeah, I think long term micro communities is a way to really, like you said, sustain uh, digital community because you're, yeah, you can get super specific and relevant. And I've heard examples of like for commuters, it's a good example I think to, to carry through is like they really care about parking and like some places they had like an integrated right. digital parking interface where you know here's where the parking is how many spaces are available and yeah like, like a mall so, like that was like uh-huh. yeah yeah exactly like that was a game changer for them so they could know ahead of time like uh-huh. where's the parking and then if it's like if you had interfaces to at least like initiate an order from like the you know and it's not like a dining hall like somewhere else to like pick up food or something like and all those things are sort of presented to you and available in your mobile app or your web experience and those sort of things so um yeah like that's where hopefully you can do as much of that work initially to serve all of those you know different constituencies whether it's on campus hybrid commuter you know, online and all those sort of things, but those can be points of maturation. And maybe if you get feedback because you just weren't sort of cognizant of it as you were building the use of a digital tool like Pathify, you can start to have those be areas where it's like, awesome. Yeah. Like come here to the table, commuter student, like tell us more, like, okay, parking, you want like, you know, food ordering, you want Mm. like these sort of things. And I can help just sort of, you know, alleviate and not almost like put the burden or pressure completely on yourself or somebody else to speak for somebody else that they can't speak to where it's like, Oh, I, I would imagine that they might want this. Like you're, you're trying earnestly to be inclusive of that mindset, but I guess. Could you imagine better, you could but. order your drink from like the student run coffee shop on your way into park. So then you could just grab it and then go to class. I mean like Starbucks, right? What I also know about higher ed is, we're competitive. We have to compete for students. And what we saw the last few decades was we were physically competing. So campuses were building lazy rivers and wild, you know, like buildings. And our physical infrastructure, I think, is always going to be critical. But as we do spend more time and strategic planning with digital, if you don't do this strategic, it could become your lazy river. If it hasn't already, that you've gotten in with a partner or you've gone down a path that's going to be, and maybe wasn't really, do students really? I would love a lazy river on vacation, but I don't know if I need it. You know, um, it looks great in the brochures. Um, 
Because this is the other reality, though, that I understand why there's a lazy river. I understand why we're running after a lot of technology is because we are having to compete against the, the we're trying to reduce friction. I can order my Starbucks on my way to my appointment that I made on my phone to, you know, like find a parking spot at my mall that I know exactly the level I'm going to go to because I know on my app that there's a spot there for the movie that I fully booked an appointment and I already pre-bought my popcorn. Like it, the list goes on and on and on. So we need to prioritize what is the friction that we can minimize in order to outcome, right? What is the, what's the deeper stuff? And that's where we bring it back to belonging or other big, you know, like student success engagement metrics that we're focused on. And not just to say like, oh, people can, float on our lazy river and have our DoorDash delivered to them in their inner tube, which would be pretty cool. But what? <laughs> well, no. And yeah, that's what like we've talked about is like, yeah, we're, we're some institutions maybe have it in like smaller ways or we're certainly on the precipice of that even being like a possibility of like the digital sprawl. Like you have too many tools. They're sort of not integrated with one another. And you could certainly see with like getting like VR or, you know, any other like kind of flashy tool where it's like oh boy we spent way too much money on building a whole you know virtual environment thing that wasn't necessary or like that idea of like sure there may be some friction about getting your coffee or this or that but it's like is that the area where your your students are experiencing the most friction like it may be some but that also like you know if students are saying oh i'm always late because i can never find parking it's like great focus on that it's like are they maybe necessarily like failing their classes because they can't get their coffee in a few less minutes it's like Probably not. But again, if it's always just trying to like marginally improve, it's like check off again those big, hairy, audacious goals of like, okay, we really need to like bring together all these systems in one centralized centralized dashboard and, you know, build an events calendar because we really haven't had haven't had anything before. So um yeah, I think that's a good check on people if they're yeah, getting all, all jazzed up about all the possibilities. It's like all in due time and yeah, focus on what maybe is gonna really make kind of gainful leaps towards, you know, student success and community building and all that. So um, I think at the time that we have, if, you know, if there's quick thoughts that you have on sort of like kind of acknowledging like for faculty and staff, like they can certainly build community amongst themselves. And I know there's a lot of the folks that you work with and you bring together. So like, what have you seen is just sort of quickly, like, why is that important? Sort of like, the folks working in an institution coming together to collaborate and doing that maybe like digitally and with different platforms and stuff. I mean, cause we're humans that happen to be working in higher ed and there's lots of pockets of campus that have ignored the humanity. And we had many times would create it on our own um, and, or among pop. So for example, like you and I met through Twitter and there is, um, almost like a grief process some people are going through because that platform has changed so much. And now they're like, where do I go? LinkedIn, Blue Sky, I don't know, just a group text. <laughs> um, so I would say that investing in community for your staff and faculty should look different than students. It should not be a pizza party. Um, or just something that you do during the holidays, it should be pulled back to bigger strategic objectives 
whether that's DEI and retention to program growth, that, um, and it could come down to your bottom line, literally the cost it takes to have to recruit versus retain is much different. Um, so I think they, staff and faculty want to play in some of the same spaces. If Pathify, if we are already trying to get staff and faculty to use that tool in their classes, in their programs, of course, like get them in it in another way. What is their hook? It might be parking. <laughs> it probably is parking. <laughs> it might be the events calendar, but um, you also, I could see implementing this for um, specific groups. So for example, brand new employees, or again, like certain demographics, people that aren't from the area that, again, their hook is going to be that they're actually really looking for it. And then again, word of mouth can be just as strong with staff and faculty as students, both in good and bad ways. So if, again, go to your users and what they really need and what they're experiencing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it, it shows it shows a level of care as an institution and its employees who are human beings. If you're like, you're encouraging, you're welcoming, you know, creating these sort of spaces and those sort of things for them to socialize and collaborate and that, yeah, you're kind of making that space for them to like work for the betterment of the institution as well to say like, hey, we can get you all together, you know, in these spaces, you share your thoughts, your feedback and those sort of things. So that's really great. All right. So we will wrap then. You gave a little glimpse at the horizon, but this I feel like would be a really good place to end it and kind of bold circle, underline, highlight. How does digital community building help support student retention? Check my dissertation. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is part of the toolkit of the full student experience. It is not just an add-on. It is an essential ingredient that we have to put time, resources to. Yeah. I mean, that peer-to-peer -peer support and everything is, I don't know, it can be magic sometimes because especially if you create an environment where people know like, oh, yes, right. I saw this over here. Go check with this person to go, you know, check this out. Like it, yeah, it can be really impactful. And even if it's just for the sake of socialization and fun and those sort of things, like, yeah, we're all humans, whether we're students or faculty and staff. So making the space, making the time, investing in uh, digital community building is important and crucial. And I appreciate you coming on to talk about it and sharing all of your expertise and wisdom and everything. What we'll ways to connect with you and the work that you do uh, in the show notes, as well as the study that you mentioned. So um, yeah, always good talking to you. you hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify podcast network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcast.enrollify.org.